1: Today's episode is supported by the Foraging for Fun Eating Weeds online class. This class currently has 14 individual lessons. This course is for anyone who wants to be self-reliant and aware of various opportunities for food and medicine, all of which are free and grow all around us. To view the course, follow the link in the show notes or visit our website at naturereliance.org. Click on classes for a complete list. Today's host is Craig Cottle. A recognized master naturalist through the University of Kentucky, owner and chief instructor at Nature Reliance School. Craig starts the podcast by debunking the myth that moss always grows on the north side of trees. He goes further to explain why. His second topic is a generally unknown subject matter of wilderness navigation referred to as hand relic. Applying this technique will significantly help you during your hiking, hunting, and other outdoor activities in the forest. Craig then closes by relating his observation of animals in the woods and how these observations can improve our outdoor experiences. Thank you for joining in and welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Alliance School for another episode of Nature Alliance Media Podcast. Coming to you today for another one of our I guess a good name for this would be naturalist notebook. What I wanted to do with these naturalist notebooks is just dig into some of the things that happen in nature that often get overlooked. Thank you for joining me today. What we're going to be doing is doing these on a probably an irregular but frequent basis, meaning we'll see how it goes and if you like these things then we'll do more of them, but at least a couple of times a month we'll dig into some some of the naturalist nature environmental type things, again, that the typical person when they're walking through a wilderness or they're going through a, a natural area may very likely miss. If you are observant enough and situationally aware enough that you don't miss these things, then fantastic. If you have something that you think, hey, I wonder if most people realize that and you would like for me to bring it up in a podcast, then send it to me at info at naturereliance.org. I'll do some research on it. I love learning myself. I'm sure I'll get an opportunity to learn that way. So send it my way, and then we'll share it in the podcast, and I'll name you in the podcast too. So we love the come on, join in, let's learn together mindset. Today, for our first one, I wanted to talk about three separate things, and I'll do these as best I can. My goal is to do these in about 15 minutes, so they're short, sweet, You get something on the way to work, you get something while you're on break at lunch, and have some enjoyment of nature and the outdoors as we move forward. Before we do that, let's get a quick word from our sponsor. Hey you! Yeah you! I'm talking to you! You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Bonus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now the three things that I want to be looking at today, as you might well expect, anybody that listens to what I do or te- listens to my classes or reads my books and everything, they know that, that uh, I really enjoy real good situational awareness in the outdoors. And when Tracy, Trimble, and myself, we put together the book Essential Wilderness Navigation, one of the most overlooked chapters in that book is how to utilize the sun and the stars, basically the sky, to find a general, a very general sense of direction. There's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of myths out there about certain things like, for example, the shadow stick method is not an incredibly accurate method. If you want to know why and how I prove that it's not an accurate method, then pick up the book Essential Wilderness Navigation. I'll have a link in the description below, but uh, I may dig into that in a podcast sometime. But with that said, I wanted to get into, to today, some ways that we utilize the sun, some ways that we might utilize the stars, and I also want to look at some wildlife for some nature observation. First, I want to dig into the sun. Now for most of us, when I say, what kind of direction finding or what can you tell me about the sun, most people say the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I'm going to blow your mind here. The sun doesn't do that at all. The sun is the boss of the whole shooting match that's going on up there. The sun just kind of sits there and hangs out and doesn't do anything except get bright and shiny and hot. The earth revolves around the sun, and it's also tilted. And so, for our vision, the way we see, the visual that we get of the sun, it appears that it rises in the east and sets in the west. So, yeah, we're kind of correct But really, if we want to get technical about it, we're not correct at all. Knowing that, I think, is beneficial to help us understand that because of the rotation of the Earth, as well as the tilt of the Earth, and those things changing based upon the time of day and the season of the year and the day of the year, there's some things that change, rising in the east and sitting in the west. That's why we have two days of the year, the longest days of the year. That's why we have seasons here and where I live here in central U.S., Central Kentucky, and I think that's important, number one, to to verify, but I, w- I didn't want to get into that too much. I, I do want to get into that in a later podcast, but what I did want to get into is some of the myths, particularly one myth in particular, and why it is not true, the first being that moss always grows on the north side of trees. That is completely false, and here's why it's false. Because moss grows where there is uh, moisture. It has to have moisture to be able to grow. And it doesn't have to have an excessive amount of moisture. It just needs some moisture. So the reasoning that this concept of moss grows on the north side of trees came about was because in the northern hemisphere, for example, the sun is going to appear to be in our southern sky never going to be in our northern sky from where we stand in the northern hemisphere. So we're always going to look somewhere in a southern direction to see the sun. Okay, I think we can all accept that as fact. So if a tree is standing in the middle of a field by itself, there's only one tree there and that is it. There's no other thing that creates a shadow on it like a hill or another tree or anything of that nature. Imagine when the sun comes up and it sets the sunlight is primarily going to be on the southern side of that tree. And because of that, moss, which needs moisture, is going to be on the northern side of that tree. Okay, Because the northern side of that tree is going to have more moisture because the southern side of the tree is going to get dried out by the sun. Now, let's consider that principle again on a couple other things as far as it relates to direction finding. Again, if you want to get into detail with the subject matter, you can pick up our book, Essential Wilderness Navigation. We discuss this in, in fairly good detail. But think about that same tree that's standing in the middle of a field by itself. The southern side of that tree is going to get the most sunlight, right? Again, we're talking of the northern hemisphere right now. If that is true, and it is, Then the leaves and the branches on the southern side of that tree are typically going to be larger and thicker. And they'll also be pointing. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must have in your gear. Best part, it's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. More or less more horizontal than the branches that are on the Northern side of that tree. And here's why. Uh, Tristan Gooley writes about this subject matter in several of his books. I I highly recommend you get his books. If you haven't picked up anything by Gooley, Tristan Gooley, he, he literally writes in depth books on this subject matter. I'm a beginner. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a beginner, I'm not a beginner, but I'm a novice in that. I don't spend a whole lot of time considering this. I just find the things that work for me here in the Eastern Woodlands and don't concern myself too much with the other stuff. But with that said, if you look at a tree that's in the middle of a field by itself, the branches that are on the Southern side of that tree are gonna be more or less more horizontal than the ones on the other side. And the reason is because they are going towards the sun. These woody stem plants are gonna really need the sun. And so they're going to point that direction, whereas the branches that are on the north side are going to somewhat start to stand up so that they can get more sun towards the southern side of the sky. So in effect, if you're looking at it from the side, if you're, if you're on the east-west line and you're looking directly at a tree, then the branches of it are basically going to form a check mark. The small portion of the check mark are going to be on the north side of the tree, the longer branches which are more pointed are going to be on the south side of the tree. That is one of those things that you recognize if you pay attention to what's going on around you. But I, I must say that Tristan Gooley is the one that pointed out, hey, it looks like a check mark because I, I when he said I was like, oh my gosh, I've seen that. I knew that. but I never thought about it being a check mark. So again, he's got a fantastic way of communicating some of these concepts. So that check mark is a Tristan Gooley thing that I picked up from, from his books. There's a host of other things, like sunflowers do certain things with the sun, and the seed heads of wheat, for example, do certain things with the sun, and on and on and on. Again, you can pick up our book, Essential Wilderness and Navigation, check out some more detail. What I want to do next is go into some of the things that you can utilize for observation, and awareness, and even navigation as it relates to the stars. And I didn't purposely uh, pick topics today that relate to navigation, but these first two definitely are going to be uh, along the idea of wilderness navigation. If you do any sort of wilderness navigation, whether you come to a class with Nature Line School, uh, whether you read our book, whether you get into the topic with another instructor, or you're doing it on your own, there's this concept that's referred to as a handrail that is very important to wilderness navigation. Okay. Particularly if you're utilizing navigation and you're not utilizing some sort of GPS device, you're using map and compass, or maybe you're just using terrain association, or maybe you're just out and about and you don't have any map, compass, or GPS. Uh, I, to be quite frank with you, this is the way that I spent most of my formative years in the outdoors as a woodsman, not getting lost. And that's this concept or this part of navigation that's referred to as using a handrail feature. And what this means is, is that let's say you're navigating in a wilderness area and you know that there is a river to your north, then you can continually travel in a certain direction, like a, let's just, for the sake of discussion, we can move in an east-west direction, but we always know that the river is to our north and we're in essence, utilizing it as a handrail feature, meaning, If we get into a spot where we're not really comfortable knowing where we are, we can walk a bit until we can get eyes on the river and know, okay, we're back on that particular east-west line. This is incredibly useful if you are, let's say that you're in a spot unlike Kentucky, Kentucky's rolling hills, not really huge mountains. And let's say that you can see a lot of the area around you, maybe a couple of hills here and there. Well, you can, get an estimate of how far you are from a river for example that's running a certain direction and then if you keep eyes on that river and keep an approximate same distance away from that river then you can basically run a parallel line through an entire wilderness that way i use this concept a lot a whole lot growing up exploring particularly grouse hunting in what we refer to as the daniel boo national forest here in kentucky the Daniel Boone National Forest here is, is mixed hardwood forest. A lot of really long hollows, what we call hollows here in Kentucky. What I would do is I would get in some of the larger hollows and would literally walk down the hollow. And every time I came to a small one, a small hollow that was coming off of the larger one, I would go up that hollow, do some grass hunting, come back. And I was basically utilizing... The hollow, the holler, again, it's hard for me to say hollow, but I know we've got a broad audience here. Uh, I would use the holler as a means of a handrail and maybe even what is would be called a catch feature. And it was basically the thing that would catch me so that I knew that I wasn't getting too far off track and I wouldn't get lost. And so what I would do is I would get in one of these hollers. I would, and I mean, this is an all day thing in some of these hollers where you start at the, at the head of it or at the end of it walk up it until you find a small waterway that's run into whether that's an intermittent or perennial stream it doesn't matter you walk up that holler hunting come back out get into the big holler walk until you get another one and i mean i could spend most of the day doing that and hunting that way and had a lot of success like that that was a lot of fun and a great way of both hunting and just simply exploring and seeing what you could see and that way when it was time okay it's time to go home i would literally turn around go right back down the thing that had handrailed me or caught me whether you want to call it a handrail or a catch feature whatever it is i would turn around and just walk right back and go to the truck so that is a real useful tool as far as navigation is concerned now here's something i did when i spent some time by myself in the woods for an extended period of time is that i would often get up and move particularly in, in In the summertime when i was there by myself i spent a couple of trips out by myself when i was a young man and i would literally use the stars i didn't know what i was doing at the time i didn't know it had a name but i would utilize the stars as basically a catch feature or a handrail and that no matter where i was if i went out a certain direction at night let's say i was utilizing the north star as a as a not necessarily a handrail but as a a feature that I could, if I was walking out into the woods in the dark and the North Star was on my left, because the North Star is going to stay there, when I went back to where I was going back to, then I would make sure that the North Star was on my right. And I would constantly monitor that. That would require me, in that particular mixed hardwood forest, to get to a, a high point, and, and that's what I was doing. I was running around on the ridgetops, not literally running, but walking around on the ridgetops, and would utilize basically the North Star as my point of reference. Point of reference handrail. You can utilize, if, if you're familiar with the sky, and I'm not really good at this. I have to really focus my attention and do some study on this to utilize this. I've done this at times, but it takes, it, for some reason the stars and recognizing constellations just don't stay with me very well. I need a, I need a good teacher. I've taught myself, and I haven't taught myself very well. But with that said, utilizing a, in this case for me, the North Star is basically my point of reference. I can move out. Again, think about it this way. If you're moving in a forest and you've got a handrail like a river, and, you, and I'm not suggesting you go hiking at night, particularly in places like the Red River Gorge where you walk off of a cliff, but if you're utilizing a handrail like a river and you've also got a, an accompanying point of reference like the North Star then it's pretty difficult to get lost in that you've got let's say for example the North Star is on your left so you know you that when that's happening you're walking east the river's gonna be on your south if you have something like that or a ridge or a hollow or something of that nature and that way you have these features that you don't need a map for you don't need a compass for you don't need a GPS so I bring these up because if you're a navigator and you want to spend more time out on the trails, or off the trails, then it's good to have a lot of ways to be able to navigate your way into and out of a forest. I'm a big fan of a GPS. That's what I use more often than not. I'm a big fan of backing that up with um, uh, literally a paper map. I take that with me. And then beyond that, I also know these other sun, moon, stars thing, and we'll get into more of those as we move along, that'll help us to give some confirmation to what it is that we think that we're doing. And we can utilize all those in reverse as well. We might, hey, let's go out and practice this hand railing technique. And while we're practicing hand railing technique, uh, we just use the GPS as a backup to make sure that we're right. You know, I do that sort of thing a lot, practicing different tasks. I have a good backup that confirms that what I'm doing is correct, or it tells me I'm doing it wrong and so I can correct myself. Now the last piece of the naturalist notebook that I want to go in today something that might be missed by others and it might not if it is if it's not you've got a good handle on this sort of thing again send me something that you know that uh, beginners and those that are new to being the outdoors might be able to enjoy and learn from the last one is just an observation about deer and i was talking to you know a lot of guys that have deer hunting buddies and deer camps you know there's always when when you're Done hunting, and you're sitting around the table, or you're sitting around the fire at night, and you're talking about deer hunting and all the stuff that goes along with it. There's always the one that got away kind of stuff, and all those kind of discussions. But in my deer camp, there's a fella that comes from California, and he talks about deer hunting out there and some of the things that are different about it. And he was sitting there talking about deer in California, and it really struck something. Really struck me hard, just boom, right, right in the face. It's one of those things where I'd gotten into my own rut. Paying attention to what's in front of me, deer hunting, and just thought, you know, it's probably like that everywhere, but it's not. It's not like that at all. And that is, let's think about whitetail deer. So, here in the eastern woodlands, particularly mixed hardwood forest like we have here in Kentucky, the deer's primary sc- uh, sense that it's going to utilize to pay attention to prey or be alarmed by prey is its olfactory sense, basically, its use of its nose, right? It can smell things from a very far distance. That'll at least alarm it so that it can get its head up while it's feeding and go, okay, I smell something that's not right. And then, here in this part of the world, it's going to utilize its secondary sense of hearing. And here's why. A deer in a mixed hardwood forest, particularly one where there's a lot of herbaceous plants or woody stem plants that are close to the ground, it's difficult for an animal that's on the ground to be able to see through those exceptionally well. You just can't really see very far. Not only that, but there's also hills and small creeks and rivers and all the things go along with it that just cause problems for just movement for an animal such as a deer in in the wilderness. And I'm not saying they don't have the ability to navigate it. They do. It's just these are the things that its senses are going to have to overcome. So number one, it uses its scent or the ability to scent things. And number two, it's going to be able to utilize as a, as a backup its ability to hear because it's often that a predator could get within sight of it and it never even have a chance of seeing it until it's right on top of you because of hills and and ravines and small hollows and stuff that goes along with it. Well, the thing that struck me about this gentleman from California is that he was talking about how deer scent, number one, same thing, but they also see out there because out there there isn't mixed hardwood forest. There's a lot of small stuff on, on the ground, but there's not a whole lot of large trees. There's not a whole lot of lot of large hills. And so a deer out there, maybe even the same species of white-tailed deer, is going to be able to utilize its secondary sense of sight to be able to see its predators. And so that kind of was, I know it seems rather simple maybe to you, but it was rather mind-blowing to me to understand that how adaptive species are to what it is that their surroundings are. And so even a deer that gets, let's say for example, well, this is what came up in my mind is that we took these deer out of the Rocky mountains and brought a lot of them to Kentucky when we did the restocking program. And those deer had to learn an entirely new way of being, I mean, not those deer, but those elk had to learn an entirely new way of being elk. Because although eastern Kentucky does have a lot of bigger hills, it, it doesn't have mountains like you do in the Rocky Mountains, right? I mean, It's a totally different area. It's a totally different environment. There's smells are different. The sights are different. So for a wild animal, it had to learn how to adapt. And now we have animals here that are in Kentucky that have been born here for generations now, a couple of generations. Those animals now are already adapting to their new environment where... You know, their primary senses here still have to be scent and also have the great ability to be able to, you know, hear, hear. So because of that, I think that's very interesting. So think about that, how you apply yourself in the outdoors. You know, what are your senses? As a human, as a species of animal, your nose pretty much sucks. Uh, It's not a real good, useful sense. Your eyes are probably the best thing that you have in a woodland environment as far as a sense is concerned but think about in a woodland environment we're already behind the we're already behind the eight ball when it comes to being able to utilize that as a means of, of seeing and recognizing what's going on around us so because of that open up your other senses see what you can smell see what you can hear and utilize that in concert with the senses that you already have that are utilizing and recognizing what's going on around you, particularly your ability to see things properly. So I hope you've liked this naturalist notebook. It's a little dig into what is out there that you may have not noticed in the past. Uh, If we come up with a better name, we might call it something other than naturalist notebook, but we'll run with this right now because I kind of like it. But hopefully that helps you get outside. I hope this uh, encourages you to get get outside and try to see these things yourselves. This is what I would really like to see and hear is you all come up with some things like this, some hypothesis even of what you were seeing out there and go, I think this is happening, Craig. What do you think? Give me an opportunity to research it and I'll share it here on the Natural Snowbook. So with that said, uh, the books that I mentioned earlier are Essential Wilderness Navigation by Craig Cottle and Tracy Trimble. And then any of the books written by Tristan Gooley. That's G-O-O-L-E-Y. I'll do my best to get those linked in the description below. As always with Nature Life School, come on, join in. Let's learn together.